Now therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of your soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. We don't have time tonight to do it, but I would encourage you to write in your margin of your Bible, right next to verse 20, Psalm 54. It's a psalm that David wrote during this very moment in his life. And I think when you read the passage over again, you read Psalm 54, it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow up, and it's going to really make a lot of sense to you. Psalm 54. But notice what Saul said. Blessed are you of the Lord. And notice the hypocrisy of this. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing God. Oh, powerful, untamable, all struck with fall to our knees. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. David had reaffirmed his covenant with Jonathan and continued to hide out in the town of Ziph. However, The scripture says, Our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. For every faithful Jonathan, there is also a Ziphite willing to betray. Many godly men and women have also known both friends and betrayers, just as Jesus did. When Saul was given this information, he showed himself to be so spiritually warped that he said to the betrayers of an innocent man, Blessed are you of the Lord. However, little did they know that God was with David and was blessing him instead. Now let's join Pastor Rob. The heart of man is fickle, isn't it? After You think that after that great victory and delivering them from the Philistines, you'd think there'd be some kind of, again, some blessing that they would give upon David. And what is the thanks that he gets? He gets a tracking number stamped on his forehead, sent to the King Saul. We're going to deliver him up. In Jeremiah 17, verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I love the Lord actually answers the question. He goes, I, the Lord, (laughs) I search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. And this is why Scripture always tells us not to trust in man, but trust in the Lord. I remember meeting somebody one time, and it was in the street somewhere down the city. It might have been when I went to Eastman down there. I remember I was on the um, familiar with all the panhandlers and stuff like that, because in the beginning I was very gullible, and I gave them everything. And then the Lord wised me up over time. And I remember talking to one of them, and one of them said, well, you've got to trust me. And I'm like, the Bible doesn't tell me I have to trust anybody except him. Why should I trust you? I don't even know you. And Christians, will, people say that to a Christian. Well, you've got to trust me. You're a Christian. Oh, really? Well, the Bible tells me not to trust anybody except him, right? <laughs> it's better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. Isn't that what Psalm 118 says? It's better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in princes, In Proverbs 25, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth and a foot out of joint. Ouch. Cursed is the man, Jeremiah says, who trusts in man and makes makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. 
Verse 13, so David and his men, about 600 of them, arose and departed from Keilah, went wherever they could go. And then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah, so he halted the expedition. So Saul finally gets fed up with chasing David. He wants him really bad, but he's just wasting a lot of time, a lot of man hours, a lot of human resources. So in verse 14, And David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but notice God did not deliver him into his hand. You know, again, if you were to look at a map as we go through these cities, I'd encourage you to do that because you you really are going to see this zigzagging back and forth. He's like a gazelle running from a lion. So David, verse 15, saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. And then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. Jonathan was this wonderful friend, and we, we looked at this the last when we were in chapter 19 and 20. You know, these two brothers, I mean, these two men were, it was like an amazing friendship. You know, blessed are you if you have a friend that is like this kind of friend. You know, whether you're male or female, if you've got a really close friend that said, you know what, I'll go, I'll go to the very grave with you if need be. You know, and their hearts are knit together. I mean, it says that they're love for each other. And this was not a weird kind of thing, okay? This was a, a, a deep love, but it was a manly love, a godly love. But their love surpassed the love of women, the Scripture tells us. That, that's how close they were. That, that's how united they were. And to have a friend like that today is such a wonderful thing. You know, hopefully we have that in our spouse. Is your spouse someone that you can tell everything to? Is your spouse your best friend? There's nothing you can't tell them. You can trust them with your very heart. I mean, think about that, folks. To, to actually take your heart out and to hand it to someone and say, this is yours. I give it to you. And knowing that you don't even have to put a clause in there. They will just take care of that heart. They'll take it into their own and they'll, correct, they'll, they'll, they'll take very good care of it. And you can trust it with them. Man, I tell you, that is the kind of love that God demonstrates and wants us to demonstrate back to him because he is trustworthy. Trust in the Lord, but not in man. And this, it's interesting, um, this is the last time that Jonathan and David are going to see each other. This is it. In chapter 20, we saw that they had the, when they were out in the field, that that might have been the last time that they were going to see each other. But um, this ended up, this was kind of like an impromptu meeting, and this is definitely the last time they see each other because the last time, the next thing that's going to happen to Jonathan is he's going to go into battle with his dad in chapter 31, and he's going to die at the hands of the Philistines. Not only him, but Jonathan and all of Jonathan's brothers, they're all going to die on the same day. But notice in verse 17, and Jonathan said to him, and he says, do not fear. And, and I'm sure this is like the balm of Gilead for David because, you know, being on the run for so long and, and to hear something from someone like Jonathan, a, a man he really loved as a friend, as a dear brother, he says to him, do not fear for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. And, and you shall be king over Israel and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that and how that must have just delighted David's heart. Saying, you know what, Jonathan, I could have, hearing your voice and hearing you say that meant so much to me. And I love the confidence of Jonathan and his confidence in in he and David's friendship. But unfortunately, we know that he would be killed later. 
So the two of them, verse 18, made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. So we here we see just a, a, a reaffirming of the covenant that they made. They made two other covenants prior to this. The first one was in chapter 18, verse 3, and, and then in chapter 20, verse 8, and then now here in chapter 23, verse 18. And basically the covenant was this. David, if, when you come into your kingdom, be kind to my family. You know, don't wipe them out, because that's very common in those days. Once a king becomes king, he wipes out his opponent, the other king's family. Oftentimes that happened, especially because of the bitterness between Saul and David. There would be people in his family that would want to come after David after he became king. And, 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 and Jonathan's like, David, please preserve my son, Mephibosheth. Preserve my family. And what did David do when he came into, in, into the kinghood, into, into the crown? He took the Mephibosheth. He gave him his land back. He had servants serve him because he was wounded. He was, he was lame on his feet. And David took him in. He sat at David's table to eat. So David honored this oath that he and Jonathan made. Then the Ziphites came up to Saul at Gabeah, saying, Is not David hiding with us? And again, now, it, it wasn't enough that the, the men of Keilah, you know, blew him in and, and gave him up and put the FedEx sticker on him and said, Here he is, you know, open, open your iPhone, Saul, and track him. You'll find him. We'll give him to you. But now he comes to the, in the wilderness of Ziph. Now the Ziphites find that he's there, and they're basically telling Saul, We, we know where he is. We know where he is. Now, therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of your soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. We don't have time tonight to do it, but I would encourage you to write in your margin of your Bible, right next to verse 20, Psalm 54. It's a psalm that David wrote during this very moment in his life. And I think when you read the passage over again and you read Psalm 54, it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow up, and it's going to really make a lot of sense to you. Psalm 54. But notice what Saul said, blessed are you of the Lord. And notice the hypocrisy of this. Blessed are you of the Lord, for you have compassion on me. Really? Blessed are you of the Lord? The Lord's not blessing you, Saul. The Lord, the Spirit of God went off of you and was now on, on, on David. An evil spirit was upon Saul. But yet he uses these flowery things. Didn't Paul tell Timothy this, that there, there are going to be those in the last days that they're going to have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. That's exactly what Saul's doing. He's using all these Christian phrases, Christianese, but in his heart he's so far away from God. He has a form of godliness, but he's denying the power. And what does the Scripture tell us? From such people turn away. From such people turn away. So verse 21, he says, please go. Now, verse 22 and 23 are amazing because we're going to read those two verses Check this out. Please go and find out. And this is what Saul is saying. Please go and find out for sure and see the place where his hideout is and who has seen him there. For I am told he is very crafty. See, therefore, and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hides and come back to me with certainty and I will go with you. And it shall be, if he is in the land, that I will search for him throughout all the clans of Judah. Let me read to you. You might want to write in your margin off of this one, too. You're going to flip when you see this. This just came to me just this morning, and it just blew my mind. Write in Matthew chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Right off of verse, uh, verses 22 and 23. Put in Matthew 2, verse 7 and 8. And here's why. We just read verses 22 and 23. Find out where he is, and I'll come. 
Find out where he is. All the lurking places, and I'll come, and I'll find him out. I'll search him out. Now we look at Matthew chapter 2. Remember Herod inquiring of the Magi who had come to seek where the child lay? What did Herod say in verse 7? Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And here it is. And he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Doesn't that sound awful lot like? I mean, you read that passage with verses 22 and 23 that we just read. They almost sound identical. And you want to know why? Same spirit. The same spirit of Antichrist. When Herod sought to wipe out those children from two years old and under, do you understand that he was trying to usurp God's word? The devil in Herod was seeking to destroy the seed from from Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman. He was seeking to destroy Christ. The devil in Herod. And now the, the same evil spirit in Saul is doing the exact same thing. He's doing the exact same thing. Don't you find that interesting? The same devil at work, the same devil wanting to thwart the word of God and all the promises, the Davidic covenant, David from your seed of Judah will always last forever, forever forever and ever, for everlasting. And what does it say in Genesis 49 verse 10 when Jacob was on his deathbed? And what did he say to Judah? He said, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. The scepter, the right to rule, the king. That shall never cease from, the, from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. A prophecy of not only David, but Jesus Christ through David. Because if Saul could snuff out David, do you understand that most of the scripture that, we've, that, that about David in the Bible would be null and void? And we would all be wasting our time because if God is outside of time like he says he is and can tell us the advance, and advance history which he does, and then he messes up even once, we can pretty much say, we might as well go meet at the bar tonight. Let's eat and drink now, for tomorrow we die, right? But God cannot be thwarted. His word cannot be thwarted. Do you believe that? I believe it with all my being. There is nothing, there's no one that can mess with God's word and get away with it. And we'll see that. Notice. So they arose, and they went to Ziph before Saul, but, but, uh, but David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, so now they're zigzagging to another place in the, play, in the plain on the south of Jeshimon. And then when Saul and his men went to seek him, they told David, therefore he went back to the rock, and he stayed in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that, he pursued David in the wilderness of Maon. So again, David is going to continue, or excuse me, Saul, he's going to continue to break the oath that he made to Jonathan. You remember that oath that he made back in Samuel in the 19th chapter? He told his son, Jonathan, he said, As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. He made a vow to God in front of his son. And Saul has never ceased to stop seeking David, breaking his oath every single day, breaking his oath. There comes a point when God says, are you so hardened in your, in your position? Are you so bent on destruction, Saul, that all my, all my times of trying to influence you are, are just landing on a, on a dull heart? You know what's really scary is there comes a point, and only God knows this, and we don't have any way of knowing this, but there comes a point when a soul crosses the Rubicon, and there's no going back. God can forgive up to the very last minute, but to every individual, there's a point 
where God says, you know what? I've done everything I can. I've done more than I, I, I I've, I've exhausted my grace. And you really can't exhaust God's grace, but you've gone over that line. And there is a line. And let's not ever approach that line, shall we? I mean, if you're here tonight and you're a Christian, you, you've already crossed the line in, into God's forgiveness, and there, you don't have to worry about anything. But there's people out there, friends, family that you know, they've been flirting around, they taste a little bit, and then they spit it out. They're like, taste and see at the Lord. Ah, eh, try it, and it didn't, it didn't work for me. I'm glad it works for you, though. Really? You've never tried hard enough. You didn't swallow. Swallow the hook with the worm. Swallow it and get it into, your, into the middle of you. Why just mess around with the Word of God? Take it all in and find out, and then you will find out that it is true, that He is true. So important for us. So Saul went on one side of the mountain, and you can see this. This is like a cat and mouse game. Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. So David made haste to get away from Saul, for Saul and his men were encircling David and his men to take them. And so literally, it's the cat and mouse thing. They're running around the mountain, and they're chasing each other. And this is getting really hot and heavy, folks, because David and his men are getting encircled. It's only a matter of hours, perhaps, that they're going to find him, and they're going to kill him. And all of his men, and they had the firepower to do it. But God. Verse 27, you can put off off the margin, but God, ellipsis. (laughs) <laughs> but God, dot, dot, dot. Because a messenger came to Saul saying, hurry and come for the Philistines have invaded the land. The enemy was right on time. Is that any coincidence to God? I almost wonder if the Lord moved the Philistines. As, as he saw from heaven, just the armies coming and circling around David, David and the Lord's going to, the, to, uh, to, um, to Achish, the king of uh, the Philistines, and go, you know what? Saul told you that you look like a a monkey, and you smell like one too. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go after him right now. Come on, guys, get your stuff, and let's go. And they go after him, (laughs) and the Lord has them show up right at the right time. And prophetically speaking, there was so much riding on this event. event. Again, had Saul killed David, it would have made null and void a number of prophetic scriptures. But God will not allow that. He cannot be thwarted. And he allowed the Philistines of their own making, of their own heart, of their own volition, they wanted to attack, and they did, and it was just the right time. God would see to it that Saul would be drawn away by the Philistines entering the land, and therefore the Saul entered or returned from pursuing David, and he went against the Philistines, so they called that place the Rock of Escape. And then David went up and there and dwelt in the strongholds of Engedi. And we're going to end here, and I apologize for going a little bit over but uh, Engedi is a wonderful place. Um, we, we get to visit it uh, every time we go to Israel. And um, if you were to look at a map of the Dead Sea, and you were to look at the western side of the Dead Sea, right about halfway down, right about halfway, there's a place called Engedi. And it's a really beautiful place. In the middle of this desert area, you've got this great, lush, beautiful waterfalls. And I'm not kidding. You walk back, we, we walk back, remember... Uh, um, we walked back on those, on those paths, Gary, and, and we, were, we were walking along, and you went back all the way back to David's waterfall, and we went back there, and you're just like a mile back there. I mean, you're really back there, and you're, always, and you're looking around you, and all these ibex, these mountain goats are all around, and they're up there on the crags, and they got stuff in their mouth, and they're looking at you. And the little conies are scurrying out from underneath things, and, 
and you see these animals you know, that the Bible talks about, they're still very populous there. They're all over the place. In fact, um, I have to say this just to, because I'm a male, I guess. Um, when we were there um, in, in 2011, I think it was, um, they have a parking lot right there at En because it's a national park as well, but it's beautiful. And um, we were coming out to the bus, and I saw an Ibex on top of this guy's Porsche. It was a really nice-looking one, too. It looked like it had been brand new. And this Ibex, I'm not kidding. I, I actually took a picture of it. I, I couldn't find it because I had thou- literally thousands of photos. And, uh, but he jumped up. We were watching this with our own eyes. He jumps up on the front, right? Clunk, clunk, clunk. He's got these, you know, and he's, he's putting dents in the, in the hood. And then he jumps up on the top, on the roof of the thing, and he's up there, and he's reaching for uh, branches and the trees that were, right at, right, were parked right next to it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, this guy, you know, hope he's got good insurance. I mean, explain that one to your insurance, you know, adjuster. So how did these dents happen? Um, hail from heaven. That I believe. But what really happened? An Ibex jumped on my car. What? An Ibex? What's that? But it's a beautiful place. In fact, over the, over the years, several hundreds of years, as you know, that area in, in Israel, all around Israel, actually, is very riff with um, uh, earthquakes. And uh, David hid with his men in En Gedi. And some of those caverns in there were big enough to hold you know, a few hundred men. And it's, it's a great desert oasis. And um, come with us next uh, March with us. Start planning now. Uh, it be a great trip. And you'll go there and you'll see it. And it's an awesome thing. But... But tonight, as we um, have just uh, looked at this, I, I want to encourage you, you know, as David, if you look in those first couple of verses, you know, David inquired of the Lord. Inquire of the Lord often. Inquire of the Lord often in everything that you do, even the small things. The big things, we always run to the Lord in, this, in the big things. But for some reason, in the little day-to-day things, I mean, you don't have, I mean, there was one guy who, uh, Brother Lawrence uh, he was, the, he was a, a real prayer warrior, and this guy, would, he would go to the extreme. And I love his heart in this, although it wouldn't be very practical, but he would be like, Lord, should I get up today? Should I wear that today? Should I brush my teeth today? And the Lord's like, yeah, you better do that. Um, you know, but just every little thing. But that's how dependent he was. I mean, that, that may be a little extreme, perhaps. I don't know. But, but how, you know, inquire of the Lord. Speak to him all the time during the day. Speak to him and, and trust in him and not in the arm of our flesh, in our experience. Trust in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time together. And, Lord, we thank you for this passage. Lord, we thank you for David's heart, God, just um, being such a man who was so dependent upon you. And so willing, Lord, to just humble himself before you, Lord. It was a very unique, unique things that you did in the life of David. And, and so, Father, we pray that you would do those same things in each of us, God. Make us a people that are, that's trustworthy. Lord, that we can, that we can be a, a great example. We can be great ambassadors of yours. Lord, in all that we say, and especially the things that we do, Lord. So have your way with us, Lord. and In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.